friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So I have to tell you guys before we dive in that I am currently in Denver visiting my family and in the shuffle of packing up two babies for their very first flight, I forgot to grab my podcast microphone. So if the audio sounds a little bit off today, it's because I'm recording this on my iPhone, but hey, we're making it work, right? Also, the babies did awesome on their flight. It went so well. Anyway, with all that said, let's talk about today's episode. Uh, Several months ago, I had the honor of being interviewed by my friend Kate Warman for her podcast, Heart of Dating, and that's the episode I want to share with you guys today. Now, I know I'm not telling you anything new when I say that we are given a lot of mixed messages about our desire for marriage. People either act like marriage is the end-all, be-all goal for our lives, or we're told to push away our desire for marriage to focus on, quote, more important things. But in this conversation, I want to help us find a middle ground so that we can embrace our desire for marriage while also not putting an unhealthy pressure on it. A middle ground where we can prepare for marriage and look forward to the future while also savoring and making the most of the present. I cannot wait to share this episode with you. But before we do, speaking of preparing for marriage, I have some really exciting news for you guys. Registration for my online course, Love Your Single Life, is opening up again on August 30th. I'm so excited about this, and I would love to have you guys join us. Teaching this course is my favorite part of my job, and it's because God has been doing the most incredible things in women's lives through it. I got an email a while back from an amazing woman named Amanda, and uh, this is what she had to say about the course. This is so fun. She said, this course is the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's the reason I picked up and moved to a new city, the reason my relationship with the Lord is what it is today. I promise you it's worth every penny. Be prepared to have your world rocked. That is so kind, Amanda, thank you. And friends, you know, if this is the first time you're hearing about the course, let me catch you up and just tell you a bit about it. Love Your Single Life is the only digital course and study for Christian women that teaches a step-by-step plan to savor, enjoy, and make the most of your single life, all the while setting yourself up for amazing relationships and marriage in the future. Here are just a few of the things we talk about in this four-week course. We talk about how to start really enjoying your single life and making the most of every moment. I'll share a powerful tool for building confidence, which also happens to be your dating secret sauce. We talk about how to find good quality men to date, even when it feels like you've run out of options. We'll talk about how to invest in your friendships, your relationship with God, your calling, your passions, and yourself. We'll talk about what to do with your sex drive when you're single because it doesn't wait to show up until we're married, right? We'll talk about how to stay close to your girlfriends even when you're in different stages of life and so much more. Registration for the course only opens up twice a year and I would love to have you join us. You can find out all about the course at loveyoursinglelife.com. That link will also be in our show notes. And one other thing is, I know that some of you guys may be listening to this episode outside of the time when registration is open. That's totally fine. Head to the website anyway, and you can put your name on the waiting list there. And that way you'll be the first to know next time the course opens back up. I can't wait to share this with you guys. Okay, you ready? Let's jump into my conversation with Kate. Stephanie Mae Wilson, girl. Welcome to Heart of Dating. 
<laughs> oh, thank you for having me, friend. I'm so glad to be back. I'm so glad you're back too. And I just have loved, I love this podcast for how it connects people. Like ever since we first connected, what was it? Almost a year and a half ago, I think. Like we've just become good friends and that's really because of podcasting. It's so cool. Yes. <laughs> I, I said a phrase earlier this week that just kind of popped out of my mouth, but I said, we were friends at first sight. And I was like, why is that not a thing? Like it is a thing. Okay. Yes. I feel like we were friends at first sight yeah. or first podcast. And yeah. I'm so grateful for that. First sight over Skype. Cause I think we had like a really long Skype date before our ever first podcast interviews together. <laughs> Yes, I love it. Well, I'm just so grateful for your heart, Steph, for all that you do. And you pour out just your heart and soul and encouragement into women and in specifically the space of dating. And I think God gifts, like we've talked about this a lot, but it's so cool that we can be, you know, in different parts of the country and serving women and men, but also like serving people together and jointly like kind of come together and empower one another. And I think it's so awesome that we get to do that. Like, it's such a treat. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, okay. You really have made it your mission to really help women thrive in their single and dating lives. And you do that in so many ways. And you've also been married for five years now. So why is this entire topic just so important to your heart? Why have you made it your mission to serve women in this way? Yeah. So, um, you know, my, my single life wasn't always smooth sailing. Uh, to be honest, yeah. I had so many hard moments when I was single and dating so many moments when I got it wrong or got rejected or wondered like, why hasn't this happened for me yet? Mm. Um, there were long seasons where I, ugh, I hate to admit this. I really idolized marriage. Yeah. Um, and because of that, I looked at my single life, like something I had to endure before I got to the good part of my life. Mm. I just was wishing it away as fast as possible. Mm. Um, thankfully, <laughs> right? I know. So thankfully, some really wonderful mentors intervened in my life. Um, and they helped me see that singleness is a gift, like mm. actually a gift, not something to endure. And it's a time uh, to use and savor and invest in. Mm. And, you know, I don't always take the good advice I'm given. <laughs> I wish I did, <laughs> but I don't. But I did take their advice and I was able to transform that season of my life, the time when I was single, into a time of wild and wonderful growth. It was a chapter of investing in myself and in my relationships and in my friendships and in my relationship with God. Mm. Um, they helped me like both embrace my desire for marriage, but also really prepare for marriage, but do mm. all of that without sacrificing the season that I was currently in do kind of all of that together. And it really totally changed my life. Mm. Um, not only did I love that season and I really did, like if I could go back and end it sooner, if I could go back and have my husband show up in my life, you know, a year earlier or six months earlier, or, you know, five years earlier, I wouldn't do it. Like yeah. I would not trade a minute wow. of that season, but not only that, not only was it just one of my favorite times of my life, but loving my single life and really embracing it mm. is how I was in the right place at the right time to meet my husband. They were the things that caught his eye. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, someone who's really living their life to the full, that's like the most attractive thing we could find uh, in someone, so um, but we forget about that. Uh -huh. um, and then the same things, you know, now that we've been married for five years, which is crazy. <laughs> I've gotten to see that those decisions and investments we made in our single lives, they've paid off so much in our marriage and have made our marriage so much sweeter and easier and more fun um, and more life-giving. And truly like the things that we, both my husband, Carl and I did while we were single transformed our marriage before we even got to it. Mm. And so that's why I love talking about this. You know, mm. I think a lot of times when people get married, everyone expects them to start talking about marriage. But when I think about like, what is my best marriage advice? 
I always come back to what we did when we were single. I think it's a lot easier to kind of fix something before it's broken than (laughs) to go back and, you know, kind of fill holes. And I, I think that sometimes it's like, if we can just make a really good decision about who we marry, and if we could really like, you know, make that decision when we feel loved by ourselves Mm. and by God. And when we have friends and mentors and support in our corner, and when we know who we are and um, when we're living our lives to the full, when we're not making this decision out of like lack or desperation, Mm. you know, we make a better decision and everything else from there is so much easier. So Mm. if I can talk to people before they get married, I'm like, this is going to make your marriage so much easier. I'd rather talk to you before you get there than try to fix some things after. It's so good. And like, I've had friends of mine kind of give similar advice saying like, Kate, I love that you're still single. And I love that you're working through this now, because even though I love my husband, like, I wish I did some of this stuff in my singleness, like, because when you don't, like, it's not impossible to fix things in marriage, of course, but sometimes it's just so much harder. Like, it's just like, oh, I could have actually, this is like kind of my issue. And I could have worked on that or figured those things out in my singleness. And I truly believe in tandem with you, Steph, that like, if we have healthier dating, we can fix more of the problem of marriages failing and the epidemic of divorce. It's incredibly high, even within the church. And so it's like, we don't just need better tools at marriage. We need better tools in our single years and in our dating lives that will help us go into healthier marriages and help us like make better decisions on who we actually want to be with. <laughs> yes. And I, I love that you said that it's our issue because I think a lot of times mm-hmm. when people are looking for marriage advice, it's like, how do you talk to each other as a married couple? And now listen, that is so important. And yeah. there are ways of communicating that are effective and ways that we sometimes communicate that just like aren't great. <laughs> so those things are important, but you know, uh, uh, gosh, let me see. Two years ago, I went back to counseling. I've been in counseling at you know several different points in my life, yeah. but I went back to counseling because I was noticing some things in my relationships that were kind of hard. And it was like popping up in my work, in my friendships and in my relationship with my husband. And I was noticing that those things, it didn't have anything to do with those relationships. Mm-hmm. It was some deep insecurity that I really just didn't know was there in myself. Like some, some things that I just needed to kind of work out. And mm-hmm. so as I walked into therapy for that first day, I w- remember being so nervous and I walked out feeling super raw, but I had this just feeling that like, this is the best thing working on this in me is the best thing that I can do for all of my relationships, including mm-hmm. my marriage. And it's working on me. So the healthier we go into our marriages, you're right. The better decision we can make because we're not making kind of a broken decision out of brokenness. But also a lot of times the issues that come up in marriage are personal issues with each person that sort of bump into the other one. So the the healthier we can go in, the healthier our marriage is going to be. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, oftentimes when we talk about singleness in marriage, especially in the church, I know you talk about that. We, it's like, it's we tend to swing in two destructive directions. So would you just like detail out and paint a picture for what those two directions are that we typically go towards? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So the first one is one I think we're all really aware of. We idolize it. We idolize marriage. We act like it is. I heard someone say yesterday, and I've heard so many people say this, the the person was saying, she's like, I feel like I'm not treated like an adult because I'm not married. 
Whereas mm. people who are 10 years younger than me and are married are treated like more of an adult than I am. And that's crazy. It's yeah. like marriage is this passive, rite of passage into adulthood. We act like <laughs> marriage is reserved for a good Christian. So like if you just got your heart right with God, then he'd finally give you a husband. And it's just like, there's so many damaging um, messages that come from making <laughs> yes. it this like end all be all. And I think that one of the damaging things that can come from it is that we will one, we end up alienating wonderful people in our church mm-hmm. communities and just our community at large. Like married people are not better than single people yeah, at all that's, uh, that's by that's any good. stretch. <laughs> but we treat, we we act like that sometimes and it's crazy and it's heartbreaking and it's really isolating and alienating. Mm-hmm. But another thing that can happen if we're acting like marriage is the goal, then we're going to run towards marriage faster than we maybe should, mm. which means we're getting married to people we maybe shouldn't have married. Yeah. Like if we had thought about it, if we'd been in a better st- like frame of re- mind, if we'd gone a little slower, if we'd had more people speaking into our lives, we wouldn't have married this person. Mm. And e- exactly what you're talking about, the divorce rate so high, unhappy marriages. Like I think that when we're acting like this is the goal, we run towards that goal mm. sometimes without taking enough time to think through it. That's so true. The other thing that I think can happen that's really damaging because of this is when we act like marriage is the best thing ever, Mm. it sets up marriage for a fall. (laughs) There's this restaurant in Nashville that I swear is my favorite. And I was telling my husband about it and I was like, listen, this is my favorite restaurant in Nashville. I can't wait to take you there. You're going to love it. Like you're going to freak out. So we go and he likes it. But he didn't love it. <laughs> and there's a solid chance it's because I like set it up so high. You know, I, I told uh, him it was my yep. favorite restaurant ever. And I think that we do that with marriage. When when we talk about marriage, like it's the best thing that could ever happen to a person. We're setting it up for a fall because it's not the best thing. It's, it's a relationship. It is not a cure to insecurity. It is not yep. a happiness lifetime guarantee. It is <laughs> not a solution to our financial problems. It's not a, it's not a solution. It's a relationship. And so I think that, you know, one of the most heartbreaking things is talking to women who have gotten married and are really disappointed by it. And I think the times that marriage is disappointing, it's not disappointing in and of itself, but I think the times when marriage feels disappointing is when we were expecting it to be more than it was ever supposed to be. Mm. And so that's one of the things that I think is really, you know, one of the many things that's really tough about us idolizing it. But then the other swing is we tell people that they shouldn't care about marriage, Mm. that like they should, so sometimes, I think we do it from a, like, it depends on who you're talking to. I think that kind of sometimes in the world, it's like, oh, your desire or your goal is to be married, like dream bigger, or that's not very feminist of you, or that's, (laughs) you should want to make a difference in the world, or you should want to have bigger goals than that or something. There's some shaming messages on that side. Yeah, that's true. Also, I saw a comment on on Instagram recently, a girl was saying, you know, I really want to be married. It's a real desire in my heart. And someone commented below them and said, uh, you should only be desiring Christ. Like, um, you know, Mm. you shouldn't care about this. So there's like kind of two messages. It's like you either don't have big enough dreams or, or you're a bad Christian if you really care about marriage. Right. And I think that's That's crazy too, because you know, when God, this was a total revelation to me, Kate, and I mean, you probably realize everyone else probably realized this, but I think for the longest time I really battled with feeling like I shouldn't want to be married. Like Mm. I should not want this as much as I do. And part of it was, I felt like I was being kind of a bad Christian. Like I, you know, I should only want God. I shouldn't need or want anything else. Mm. Well, so I'm reading Genesis and I noticed for the first time that God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. And he created Eve before the fall. 
Yeah. Now, like, obviously we know that because, you know, Eve took the fruit, whatever. She's part of that story. So we know that the fall happened after Eve was around. But I think I always thought that, like, marriage and our connection to other people was sort of a a temporary fix on earth because we don't get to be in right relationship with God because of the fall. Mm. So, like, I'm going to give you guys each other, but it's, it's like, definitely plan B because plan A is just for you to only have me. <laughs> Mm. I really thought that for the longest time. And I think we act like that sometimes. Yeah. Too. And it was just so revolutionary for me to notice that God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. And he made Eve before the fall. Like God is yeah. still in the garden with them and everything is perfect. But God still said that they needed each other. And so it is not only okay, but it's good for us to want to be in relationship That's so um, with each other. And I think that when we shame people for wanting to be in this relationship, we cause them to hide this part of themselves, mm. which makes it way harder to date if you're pretending that you don't care about it. Yeah. You're not able to really prepare yourself for marriage because you're too busy telling everybody else and yourself that you don't care about it. Yep. Sometimes it separates us from God because we feel like maybe like we're trying to sort of fake God out. Like people say that it happens when you're least expecting it and so, mm. or like maybe God won't give it to me because I want it too bad or something. I don't know if any of this is resonating. No, but it totally does. We're like, we're like, God, I don't really care about this while peeking our eye open to see if he believed us enough to give us a husband or a wife or something. Anyway, so yeah. I, that's the other shaming message. And I think, you know, I, I am a woman who has big dreams for her life. Like yeah. I am, I'm a huge dreamer. I have like all kinds of ambitions for my life and mm. for the impact I want to make in the world. And also I really you know, a huge goal of mine was to get married. And it's cool because the day, it was actually the day that I met my husband, but I didn't yeah. know that I, I couldn't even remember his name. I didn't know that I'd met anybody special. <laughs> um, I had just started this new job and my boss gave us a questionnaire and it was like, you know, it, part of it was like, what's your email address? And then part of it was what's just to get to know you. Cause I was new on the team. Mm. And one of the questions he asked was what are like the three biggest goals for your life? Mm. And I don't know why I was so honest on this, like questionnaire that I, for a job I just <laughs> but like, I think my top, I don't remember what my third one was, but my top two were to write a book and to meet and marry my best friend. Mm. And I, and like, I don't remember which one was number one, which one was number two, but I think that that's a really beautiful thing. Like we're yes. allowed to want to write a book or do whatever crazy thing is, yeah, whatever the, the crazy thing is we want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and also really want to share our lives with someone. And, yeah. um, I think we just get it. It's really damaging when we swing too hard in one direction or another. Yeah, I agree. I see. I love how like it's so broken down so clearly because that is exactly it. We either idolize it or we pretend like it's not a big deal. I see the second one happen a lot. I've lived in cities before. I live in LA. I lived in New York before this. And I feel like the second one is kind of what I see happening in big cities. Like, oh, it's not that important. And my dreams are bigger. So I'm just going to be a career woman and be like an epic single person, which that's great. But then we just totally disregard this desire in our heart. Like it's not important and eventually it'll just happen. And I'm like, no relationships take time to develop. And if it's important to you, we have to be honest and real about that. I've just seen that a lot in especially big cities, but I really think you're so spot on with those two specific destructive directions that we go. And so I guess like, then what is the middle ground? There has got to be a middle ground girl. So what is that? And what would you say? And how do we get to that place? Yeah. So we have, you know, in these two camps, we have these two things pulling at us. Like on one side, you know, we're trying to make the most of our lives today. Mm. We're trying to be present. We're trying to be, I don't know, like learn and grow and do all the things yeah. that we're supposed to do today. But then 
on the other side, you know, we're thinking about our future and we're wanting to prepare for our future. And it feels like those things kind of tug at each other. Like, how could I possibly be preparing for my future when I really should just be thinking about my life today? Mm -hmm. And how can I be thinking about my life today and really investing in that? Like I should be preparing for my future. It just feels like they're sort of equal and opposite (laughs) and they pull at each other. But in my life, after lots of screwing up and, you know, mentors really <laughs> intervening in my life, I got to see that you can do both at the same time. Yeah, um, It's kind of uh, like a ripple effect or killing two birds with one stone. In my life, I got to see that doing one contributes to the other. And mm-hmm. it really was being present in my single life and making the most of it mm-hmm. and investing in all the ways that I could possibly invest while I was single. It was those things that actually helped me be prepared for marriage. It was actually mm-hmm. those things that helped me meet my husband, Carl. And it really, those are the things that have like prepared us for marriage. And so just a yeah. couple examples of that are, you know, we have this idea. I think so many of us want to be in a really good godly marriage yeah. and no one really knows what that means or what that looks like. And mm-hmm. I think that the closest we sometimes get is like, okay, you get married and then you do a devotional together sometimes. Yeah. But I think it's so much more than that. And yeah. that's what Carl and I have really gotten to see. For me, I think a godly marriage is when two people who really love God decide to do life together mm. and love him together. <laughs> and that's something that we can, we have control over half of that before we even know who our person is. If we want to be a person who really loves God, who connects to a person who really loves God so we can really love him together, we can start really investing in our relationship with God today. Yeah. That's something that will not only make our lives today so much sweeter and better and more fulfilling and more rich and all the things that God does in our lives when we let him in. Not only do we get that today, but that's the exact thing we should be doing to set ourselves up for a godly marriage in the future. Yes, yes. Another thing is my relationship with myself was, yeah. um, you know, I think identity and insecurity is really hard for a lot of us. And I know it was for me. It felt like my Achilles heel for years. Mm. And I had this relationship before I met my husband, Carl. And in that relationship, it, the guy was awesome. And he really liked me and I really liked him. There was just the biggest problem in our relationship actually was that I didn't like me. Mm, I did not so feel yep. like I was yep. worthy of love. I really didn't. And, yeah. and so the whole time we're dating, he's telling me, I really like you. You know, I'm like, you know, I love you or I'm so glad we're together. We, you know, telling me different things he liked about me. And it was like, he would tell me something and immediately my brain in response would go, well, that's not true. Or like, mm, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. And so he's pouring love into this hole and I like have the plug pulled out. So it's just draining through me. So the whole yeah. time, He's feeling like he's failing as a boyfriend because he's trying to love me and I don't feel loved. And I feel like he's failing. I'm like, I'm failing because no matter how much he loves me, I don't feel loved. Mm. And I got to find out that no matter how much someone else loves you, they cannot love you enough to convince you that you're worthy of it. <laughs> wow. Um, that's, a, that's a word, girl. Yes. <laughs> and so after that relationship, I mean, really, that wasn't the whole reason that it fell apart, but it actually really was like, yeah. it was the, it was the core reason why things just were not working out between mm. us. Um, and so after that relationship, I made it my mission to really invest in my relationship with myself mm. and to really find out what God says about me and to figure out like where the, the gaps were between what God says about me and what I say about me yeah. to heal some of the deep insecurities I've been carrying around forever. And that is something that made my life then so much better because when we're walking around the world, having our own, 
you know, when we're at odds with ourselves, yeah. we can be the most toxic relationship in our lives. Oh, and the hard part about that is we're always with ourselves, like with ourselves every day and go to sleep with ourselves. Like we're living with the most toxic person in our lives. If that's the relationship we have with ourselves, but yeah. the opposite is so much better. You get to live with your best friend and biggest cheerleader when you actually have a good relationship with yourself. Mm. And so that made life then so much sweeter. And then now when Carl says he loves me, I believe him. Yeah. And instead of like looking at him to just fill me up and fill me up, I'm able to receive his love and give it right back. And it's made our, it, like, if I hadn't worked on that before we got married, that would have been a major problem in our, yes. in our marriage. And so that's just another example of like the way that we can invest in our lives today and how that makes life today so much better. But also that's the exact thing that we should be doing anyway. That's going to set us up really well yes. for marriage. I don't know why this is coming to my mind, but I'm picturing like an ice cream sundae. And like when you have a sundae, you know, and then toppings and all the fun things, right? It's like, if you don't have the actual base, which is the ice cream, and you just had all the fun toppings, which make it exciting, which make you like make it taste better. Like it would just be toppings. And we have to have the core, which is the ice cream, the foundation. So I feel like what you're saying is like, if love is the foundation, if love is the ice cream to like our being, right? Then when someone else like self-love, self-love, loving ourselves, then when we do receive love from someone else, it's like all these incredible toppings that get to top the already amazing ice cream foundation that we've put into place. Otherwise, if we have no ice cream in the bowl, it's just literal toppings and it means nothing. And it doesn't like, you don't just want to eat those toppings. They won't mean anything to you. So yeah. we can't have... We can't have love from someone else without first loving ourselves. And I do believe in like that we accept the love we think we deserve. So unless we believe that we are worthy of love, we're never going to be able to really grasp the kind of love that somebody's able to give us. I say so often, like we have to love ourselves so that we don't lose ourselves. Because if we, if we don't love ourselves, then we will get lost in the complexity of relationships, looking to people to fulfill us for something that they're never going to be able to fulfill. So we'll either have too high of expectations or we'll not be able to accept that love. Just like you said, like it won't really mean anything to us because we don't really believe it. So the same thing when someone tells you an amazing compliment about yourself. I love women, but too often we're like, oh, oh no, like this outfit, like, oh my gosh, it's so old. Or no, I just, I didn't work out all week. Like I look disgusting. You know, our first response it says a lot about what our inner dialogue is about ourselves and how we really view ourselves. Like we have to be able to accept compliments, accept gifts of love as gifts and really accept them versus just like deflecting against them. So I think what you're saying, I'm so passionate about it too, Steph, obviously. And so it's so important that we get that right. So many women I coach and men, they're like, I want to date. I want to be in a relationship. I'm like, yeah, but like, actually there's all these things that like, you could date right now, totally, but actually you're probably going to fill a void that you really need to work on filling yourself and with God first. Hey friends, I want to take a quick pause from my conversation with Kate to thank our sponsor for today. Our sponsor for today's episode is an amazing company called Pros. Now you may have heard me talk about them before, but if not, Pros creates hair care products like shampoo and conditioner that are customized for your specific hair. And not just like what color it is or how thick it is, they take every single aspect of your hair type, color, thickness, oiliness, and more into consideration. Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their hair quiz, and that's how the process started for me. The quiz is so much fun. It feels like those magazine quizzes I used to love. I mean, let's be honest, I still love them. 
The quiz was easy, but also totally in depth. They asked me so many questions that I really wouldn't have thought to answer, like how much does your hair shed or is your hair oily at the ends or just near your scalp? So you answer a bunch of specific questions and then they take your answers and their algorithm puts together the perfect products for your specific hair. And get this, they have over 50 billion formula combinations. So you know you're getting a formula that is perfectly tailored to you. So I did the hair quiz and I placed my order and just a few days later, the package showed up at my doorstep and I was impressed from the very beginning. Everything from the box to the packaging is beautiful. I have a pre-shampoo mask, shampoo, and conditioner, and they all come in these beautifully designed bottles and all the bottles have my name on them. Talk about a personal touch, right? Every time I use these products, I am blown away by the fact that they smell so good. It's like a spa day in my shower every single time. The other thing that's so cool is that they give you detailed instructions for how to use the products, which I love because no one ever teaches us how to shampoo and condition our hair, or at least I don't remember, I don't remember being taught. But I'm so grateful that they do this because I've learned so much, like how long you should leave the product on your hair and how much you should use. And the fact that if you rinse your conditioner out with cool water, it makes your hair shinier. Isn't that awesome? So I've been using these products for a while now and I've noticed such a big difference. My hair feels silky and soft and looks even shinier. And the other thing I like is that you can continuously customize your formula. They'll help you tweak things depending on your lifestyle changes or even changes in the weather. Pros is also focused on providing clean and responsible products. Every product is free of parabens, sulfates, phthalates, mineral oils, GMOs, and is always cruelty-free. Plus, they list out every single ingredient they use on their website, so there are no secrets. Also, if you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've ever had, they will take the products back, no questions asked. But I don't think that's going to be an issue for you. Friends, Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. You can take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Just go to pros.com slash girlsnight. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash girlsnight for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. Pros, thank you so much for sponsoring our Girls Night. We just love having you. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump back into my conversation with Kate. So within this, like the middle ground is that like we have to love ourselves. We have to be able to not make it an idol. We have to be real that it's, a desire that we have though, at the same time, right? That, that desire is good. So can you share a little bit more? I guess I know that you say that you see a lot of women come to a place where they feel, okay, let's say we can accept that and we get comfortable in this season of singleness and we're like, okay, I'm doing my thing. I'm good. But if they're too comfortable in that, they fear that maybe they'll stay single forever. Like there's a fear of like, I can't get too comfortable. I can't love myself too much because if I'm in that place then maybe I'll stay single forever. Like how do you respond to that specific fear that comes up in the hearts of men and women? Oh man, I'm so glad you asked this. I, I really do hear this a lot. Like if I you know, I don't necessarily want to be single. And so if I, you know, start embracing singleness, is that resigning myself to it? Like if I hunker down and start enjoying it, will I get stuck here? And then I think part of our question in that is, and, and, you know, we feel kind of crazy as we're asking this, but is it possible that if we start to be really content without someone to share our lives with that, like maybe God will give our person to someone else. Mm, Um, and, I really struggled with this fear for a while because I felt like I had to be unwavering in my discontent of my single life so that somehow I didn't get stuck there. I felt like singleness was like a big comfy couch and I had to perch like on the edge of it really uncomfortably mm. because if I let myself sink back into it and enjoy it, I'd never give up. Or like I'd never get up. Yeah. 
But while this happens on a comfy couch, <laughs> I think it really doesn't happen in our singleness. And, yeah. you know, one of the, one of the things that I'm so grateful for is that God doesn't hand out husbands or wives based on who's most miserable being single. Like that's just not how we, well, they're not assigned that yep. way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, loving your single life doesn't mean that you're going to stay there forever. In fact, the thing that I've discovered is that loving our single lives and really making the most of the season helps it go faster sometimes, mm-hmm. or at least it helps it feel like it. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to helping it go faster, I think a lot of times we are looking around our lives, wanting this thing to happen. We're wanting someone to show up in our lives, but we're not actually doing the things that we need to do. We're, we're not doing our part. Yeah. So if this, if we were talking about work, like I, I always find, you know, dating is so full of so many emotions. Our work is sometimes less so. So I think mm-hmm. it's a good it's good to translate it so that we can like see it a bit more clearly. So if we wanted to have our dream job, if we were just sitting on our couch waiting for it to drop into our lap, it's not going to happen. It's just not. (laughs) We have to have some skills to even be qualified for our dream job. We have to be meeting people who could connect us to the people who might be hiring for that dream job. We have to probably apply for that dream job, which means we have to work on our resume, which means we have to have things on our resume. Uh, We have to go interview. Those are things that we expect to do if we're going to get our dream job. And a lot of those things are actually true when it comes to our relationships as well. Yet a lot of times we're not doing the things that we need to do to even put ourselves in a place where we could potentially meet the right person for us. And so that's, you know, loving our single lives. One of the things that I hesitated to do while I was single was I had this opportunity to travel around the world for a year, which Mm. I mean, hard life, right? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Darn, I I got to travel around the world. (laughs) I know, I know. Well, I almost didn't go. And and one of my biggest hesitations, I mean, I had a lot, it was a scary thing to do. Yeah. One of my biggest hesitations was I felt like I was in my like prime husband finding years (laughs) and I was living in Colorado, which is where I always lived. And I thought I was positive that I was going to meet my husband in Colorado. So I was like, okay, if I remove myself for a year, is that going to delay marriage for me for an entire year? (laughs) Or am I going to miss it completely? Mm. And finally, I, you know, I went back and forth on that forever. And finally I decided to go. Well, it was because I did that trip that I met my husband. It was like, because I did it because Mm -hmm. he did it too. And we ended up working together for the organization that puts it together. Like if I hadn't gone on that trip, I wouldn't have met my husband, Carl. And so I think that, you know, that's one way where living our lives to the full, it puts us in situations where Mm. we're, where it's easier for us to meet people. And, you know, there is really is nothing more captivating than confidence than someone who is alive and living their lives fully. And so, you know, meeting someone who's, who really is living their lives to the full, that like, we want to be around that person. So it's not Mm. only the best way to put ourselves in more positions to meet more people, Mm. but it's like the most attractive thing about us to be someone who's living their life fully. So it can make our single lives pass faster. But then the other thing is this, I don't know if you guys have heard, it's like an old adage and it says, um, a watch pot doesn't boil. I haven't heard that. Okay. You haven't heard that? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So watch pot doesn't boil. And my mom used to say it to me as I'd be like, I'd have like a box of Kraft mac and cheese in one hand and I'd be like peering into the water. Like, are you boiling yet? And the truth is that whether I was sitting there waiting for it or not, that water was going to boil. Mm. But my mom, my mom was helping me see that, uh, it was going to feel like it took a lot longer if I just stood there and stared at it. 
Whereas if I busied myself doing something else, the time would feel like it passed by so much more quickly. Right. Um, Good. And so I think that, I mean, that's so true of our single lives. Like a watch pot will boil eventually. Mm. And I I think the next chapter of your life will start, but the time in between will feel so much faster and it'll be so much more fun. And you'll be so much more ready for what's next if you're making the most of this moment right now. So good. I, I love that adage. That's like such a cool, I'm like going to definitely think of that from now on. And like, oh my gosh, that's so good. When we are busying ourselves in a healthy way, not just like with stuff, but with things that are like truly filling for our souls and actually serving God and like diving deeper into who we are, God, who have you created me to be? What do you call me? Like asking those questions in our singleness, which I feel we often don't really do, honestly, will make that time of singleness actually pass so much faster. And I think what's so great and connecting it to what we said earlier is that having the desire for marriage isn't bad. And I think something that God's really been revealing to me in this last, especially in this last year, I mean, is that Kate, you can do all these amazing things for the kingdom. You can have a full single life and you can also desire a husband and desire to get married. And you can pray for that. Like God hears the desires of our hearts so clearly. And I think sometimes we're like, oh, well, we think that because those prayers aren't being answered exactly how we want them to or in the timing. We like kind of give up on those prayers. But um, I think it's so important that we stay consistent with the prayers and kind of like wrapping that into, I know that stuff that you have just been working on and you just came out with a prayer journal to help women specifically pray for their future husbands, which is amazing. <laughs> and I know that part of your motivation for doing that was because that you just work with and you see so many women being inundated with with kind of bad advice in this area, bad advice in praying for their future spouse. So can you tell us about like this prayer journal, which I think is going to be so powerful and impactful and is like just something that we, I mean, everyone needs, everyone, first of all, who's listening needs it, but tell us why you decided to create this. Oh man. Yes. Mm -hmm. So in the work that I do, I have women ask me all the time, um, you know, should I be praying for my future husband? How should I be praying for my future husband? It seems like that's like the only relationship advice anyone was ever given in youth group, (laughs) like pray for your your future spouse, either that or like, when you're at a dance, like leave room for Jesus or something. (laughs) Yeah. Leave room for the Holy Um, Spirit, everybody. Um, so on one hand, I think that that's great advice. Like marriage is a big deal and it is not something we want to go into without God in our corner. Mm. But I think that this has gotten a bit twisted and it gets a bit twisted because sometimes in praying for our future spouse, in a way we end up sort of praying to them Mm. or we end up pouring out all of our hopes and dreams into these prayers and into this future person, which like puts way too much pressure on it. Like we talked about before, we're thinking so much about our future that we start to miss our presence. And it's actually living in the present that helps us be ready for the future when it arrives. And so because of this, I cringe every time I see one of those things pop up on Pinterest about like 30 things to be praying for your future husband, because I think sometimes while while we should be praying for our future person, I think that sometimes that ends up being the end of the story. Mm. And I think that praying for your future person is part of the story. It's one of the things we should be doing today. And it's a great way to invest in our future marriage, but it's not the only way and it's not a complete way. And so instead of cringing every time I see one of these posts, I decided (laughs) to create something that is something to be what I had to kind of make up on my own along the way. Something that helps us pray in a more holistic way, like pray for our future person and pray for ourselves, preparing ourselves for marriage at the same time, living and being present in this season, just all 
together. And mm. so that's what I made. And it come, it's, it's out. I cannot believe it. Um, <laughs> so it's a prayer journal. It's a hundred day prayer journal called every yeah. single moment. And it's a hundred times. So it's a so hundred powerful prayers to help you savor the present and prepare for the future. Yes. Um, and I really, I believe it's a life-changing way of praying for your future husband, a yeah. way of praying for your future that will also translate, transform your life today, yes. um, which as we've been talking about, is the very best way to get your heart ready for that future. So yeah. it's just kind of all, all in one, every single moment. That's so good because it's like, I feel like what you're doing through this stuff is like creating something where we can powerfully pray. And it's a balance of focusing on ourselves, focusing on God and focusing on dating kind of all in one. And like when I do relationship coaching, when people come to me for that, they're like, okay, give me dating advice. I'm like, okay, wait, this is relationship coaching. And actually it's not just about that. When you talk about relationships, it's like my relationship with God. How am I better growing to know him? What, how am I better serving him? My relationship with myself? What do I need to learn about myself? How do I need to grow? What do I, how do I better love myself? And then you can address dating (laughs) and relationships with others. Right. And I feel like it's kind of what you're saying too. It's like, how do we prepare for our future, but also by preparing ourselves in such a way that it's like all encompassing. So all three of those elements are kind of present. And I know within this that, you know, prayer journaling for you has been a powerful practice in your faith, which I just love. So can you just tell us more about like why prayer journaling has been so powerful for you and why you think that that's a practice that we should be doing more of, especially in singleness? Yes. Oh my gosh. So I've been a journaler for years. I think my first journal, I was in sixth grade and it was this uh, matte black journal that had matte black pages and I wrote on it with silver gel pen. Mm. Uh, Kate, I don't know if you were a fan of the gel pen. I love the gel pen. I almost (laughs) want to bring them back. (laughs) I know. I know. Where's my gel pen? I need one. Like Um, the baby color or like the, all the fun pastel colors were my favorite. Yes. Yes. They were almost like a currency, you know, like how many jelly rolls do you have? Exactly. Um, (laughs) uh, So, you know, that was my first journal and that was back in sixth grade. And journaling has been so helpful for me throughout the years, helping me process what I'm feeling, um, helping me remember what happens in my life. You know, Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know about you, but I can't remember what I had for dinner last night, like, you know, let alone the big things that happen in my life. And so, so I've, I've loved journaling for years. And then when I became a Christian, someone told me you can pray and journal at the same time. And so Mm -hmm. I really took up this practice of prayer journaling because Mm -hmm. it helps me stay focused in my prayers instead of being like, Dear Lord, I pray, what is that? Or, you know, like, (laughs) you get so, so distracted. Yes. Um, But also, like, I think that squirrel, I, <laughs> yeah. squirrel. I know, I know. I, I often forget what I prayed for. And so I forget to yeah. see the way that God answered that prayer. So true. And so I, I love my prayer journals because I get to see God's faithfulness in my life over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I get to read the lessons I've learned. I don't forget them because I can go back and, and, you know, reread them. Yes. Um, and I also love it because, you know, I, I, some of my favorite prayer journals are the ones that I had right before I met my husband, Carl. And I love getting to read the first draft of our love story. Mm. You know, there it's the, the prayers that I prayed right before I met him. Like, what was I praying for three days before I ended up meeting him for the first time? Or like, what was I thinking as we were walking to our first date or what prayers was I praying for him months and years before I even met him? And it's amazing because God answered those prayers in the most beautiful way. And I I don't think I would give God as much credit for it if I didn't see, oh my gosh, I actually prayed that specifically two years before I met Carl. And like, (laughs) 
those are the qualities of the man I brushed my teeth next to this morning. Oh my um, gosh, yeah. It just, it really has, it, um, it helps me process all the crazy emotions I feel at all different points. Um, it helps me remember my story. It helps me connect with God in a way that's more focused. It mm. helps me remember what he's done in my life. Um, they're just some of my prized possessions and they've really made such a huge difference in my faith. I love that stuff. And I couldn't agree more. I've just started picking up prayer journaling really like, I gotta be real in the last like two years, to be honest. Like it wasn't a huge thing for me before also because I was just too busy and I thought I was too busy to ever bust out a pen and start journaling. But what I love about it is that when you're kind of in your season of singleness thinking like God isn't good because he's not providing and he's providing for all these other men and women, all their amazing love stories. But here I am. So I guess God is good for everyone else, but not for me, which is a lot of the times I think the lie we start believing in our single years. But when we can like actually document our prayers from small prayers to big prayers and then go back and see like, oh my gosh, wait, this was answered. Oh my gosh, God did this. Or maybe God answered this, but just in a different way. Wow, this is so amazing. We can actually go back. It can rewrite that narrative that God isn't good also to me because yeah. it it really shows us that like, oh wait, God's been faithful and good in so many ways in my life. Instead of focusing on like, oh my gosh, he wasn't faithful here. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. I want to be reminded of like all the ways he did provide for me, whether or not it was like specifically with a man, like God is working, God is good, God is answering prayers and he cares about our prayers. And I think so often in our generation, in our culture, it's like, oh, this thing happened onto the next. And I have like, I love some of my friends too in my life. I think this is why discipleship and mentorship is so important because not only do I love writing down my prayers, I like sharing them specifically with my friends and my close community so that in a moment of like upset and a moment of doubt, my friend, like I literally had a friend do this the other week and she was like, I understand your place. I get it, girl. I'm so sorry. Also, let me remind you of these five things God has done in your life for the past two to three months. And she like, just started listing them. And I was like, dang, girl, you right. <laughs> like, it's yeah. like, I feel doubt right now and it's overwhelming, but like, let me not forget the ways that God has provided. And yeah. I feel that so much of this journey is like being able to praise God, even in the midst of a storm, Eat, praise God, even within our doubt, like faith isn't the absence of fear. It is having hope amidst it that w- makes faith what it is. Like, it's okay if you have a little bit of fear, but how are you still going to cling on to the hope? And I think part of that hope is being able to journal it out and having a place in these prayer journals to like reference back to how God did provide. Well, and the other thing is like, there there are seasons of waiting and seasons when you have no idea what God's doing and seasons where you're pretty sure he forgot you um, <laughs> yes. you know, throughout life. So it's like, once you meet your person, yeah. Once you get married, it might be about a job or it might be about a house or it might be about a baby. Yeah. Um, there's a season in life where, you know, it seems like all your friends are getting married and, you know, you're going to like a thousand weddings and all of your money goes <laughs> to wedding gifts and bridesmaids dresses and stuff. But then <laughs> like kind of the next wave of that is baby showers and baby gifts and yep. you're buying things. That you don't even know what it is. It's like diaper cream and everyone's happy to get it. I don't know. <laughs> but like, but that's, you know, that's another season. I've watched a lot of my friends go through this where they're watching everybody else get pregnant and they're wondering, why isn't this happening for me? And like, they've been praying and waiting and hoping. And, you know, it seems like God isn't, God's taking his time. And, and it's in those moments, whatever they end up being for the rest of our lives mm. that we can look back on this, like, 
tower of faithfulness that we've built up of yeah. like all the other times in our life that God showed up. Yes. Um, and it's just really really powerful. Yeah. So for the the man or woman stuff that says like, well, yeah, this sounds good, but I, I want to be good at journaling, but I'm just not good at it. Like, and it's never been my thing. That kind of was me the other year too. But like, what advice do you have for the people listening that are like, yeah, but journaling's not really my thing, or I'm just not good at it. Like, what would you say to those people? Yes. Okay. Well, so one, you're not alone. Um, <laughs> I do think that I'm like a bit of a freak in how easily this comes to me, but yeah. there are also a lot of things like I don't know, math that might come easy, more easily to you that is really, really hard for me. So uh, we all have our things. But I think that even if you're not a natural journaler, this is a really important thing um, mm. and a really helpful thing. And so here are just like a couple practical things that can help. Yeah, good. So one of them is start for a season. Don't try to commit to forever. Yeah. And I think we've all seen this when it comes to like working out. You're like, okay, on Monday, I'm going to eat only vegetables and I'm going to go to the gym for an hour and a half a day or something like that for the rest of my life. And it's like two days in and you're all of a sudden eating a cheeseburger on the couch. Like it's, you cannot, you can't just commit to something forever like that. Like you need to yes. say this week, I'm going to make this small change. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to add another week onto it. And so journaling is the same. Don't try to become a master journaler for your whole life overnight, just mm. commit to doing it for us a, a short period of time. Yeah. Um, it won't feel quite so overwhelming. Love Another that. thing is same time every day. I think that when we get mm. into a rhythm, it just is helpful. And so for me, it's always been first thing in the morning. And when I'm in a habit of doing it first thing in the morning, it just, it almost feels weird when I don't do it. Yeah. And so I think I that, that just picking a time in the day and instead of it doesn't end up being another item on your to-do list then. It just ends up being part of a rhythm when it's yeah. like same part, same time every day. The third thing I would say is to take off the pressure. Mm. I think a lot of times we feel like we have to write the perfect thing, but the truth is you're writing prayers, not poetry. Um, <laughs> yes. God can hear your thoughts. Like, mm. surprise, uh, God can hear your thoughts. <laughs> and so you don't suddenly have to clean them up and make them perfect and have like perfect grammar the second that you put them on the page. Mm. It's just share your thoughts and, and it does not have to be perfect. Um, yeah, it's like, not it's like prayer. I like God, I pray for strength in my day today. Like literally it's, ba it could be basic. Like let's hashtag yes. basic it if you need to like write down what? bullet points. If you're like, ah, oh, it takes it. Oh, I don't want to write care paragraphs, whatever works for you. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's, it's so much less like writing an essay or a like cover letter for a job or something <laughs> like that. And it's so much more like texting your best friend, you yes. know, just, Hey, That's okay. Good. This is what I'm thinking, you know, shorthand and you know, <laughs> bad grammar. And I mean, it's just, it's, <laughs> yeah. God hears your thoughts so they yep. can sound the same on the page. So um, and then the last thing is, you know, I think that prayer can be really hard. Like we're never sure if we're doing it right. And you, like you pray about one thing and then you feel like, what else am I supposed to pray for? And it's really hard mm. to come up with what is next. And um, we want our prayers to be powerful, but like, it's just, we just could use some prompting. And that's yes. why I really love the idea of a prayer journal and, you know, something with prayer prompts. That's why I wrote this journal this way. Yeah. Um, because we have someone walking us through like, hey, start here. Okay, then go here, then mm. go here. And you can riff off of that and Oof, do whatever you want. You can that. totally yep. like, <laughs> you know, but but that way you're not saying, God, like, bless my future husband, bless my future wife, like over and over again. Because yeah. you want to be praying more than that. But it's just when you're, you know, first thing in the morning and you're sitting down with this prayer journal, it's hard to think of what you wanted to pray about. Yeah. So having just kind of a writing prompt 
is really helpful being like, Hey, remember you wanted to pray about this or Hey, tell God about this. Um, it just makes the conversation flow so much more easily. Mm. So those are just a couple things that I think make it. A lot I easier. love that. I also love like for any of the guys listening, I think guys often struggle with like journaling's a girl thing. And I'm like, I just want to say to the men listening right now, like men, you can do this too. Like please, please journal. Like it's going to be so helpful for you as well and therapeutic. And no, I know plenty of men that journal. So I just wanted to say that caveat for the guys listening that like, this isn't just a woman thing. Like actually yeah. men do journal and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's actually incredibly helpful, especially in, I feel like a culture where it's sometimes hard for men to express emotions. So if that's harder for you, then start by expressing those emotions, those feelings, those cries to God, like in a journal. Well, and speaking of, <laughs> speaking of things that will prepare you for marriage, like being able, yeah. and this is true for men and women, you know, for a lot of us, it's hard for us to one, identify how we're feeling right. two, and then two, to explain it to somebody else. And so being able to like practicing doing that is going to serve all of us yep. so well in marriage. Cause that's, you just can't get around that. You have to be able to identify how you're feeling and tell somebody else about that. And so if that's hard for you, journaling and starting that conversation with yourself and with God is like, going to set you up like crazy. it's going to like be so eye opening for you. I love it. So quickly before I ask you our final question which I always ask everyone, where can everyone get this amazing prayer journal stuff if they want it like right now? Oh gosh, you're so sweet. So it's available in my shop. It's smaywilsonshop.com. And I just am so excited about it. It's, I worked so hard on this. I have an amazing team around me. And part of our thought for it was we wanted it to be something that was really beautiful and really timeless, Mm. something that you'll really be able to hold on to forever. And, you know, I, I cherish my prayer journals and especially the ones from right before I met my husband. And so that's, that's my prayer for it. It's really beautiful. It's like a linen cover with rose gold foil on it. Mm. Um, There's like a ribbon, it's hardcover. It's just the kind of thing you can really hold on to for a while. It's I'm the cherished. first draft of your yes. love story. So, I love anyway, it. Yeah, that's maywilsonshop.com. <laughs> Yay. Okay. I love it. Everyone needs to go pick one up. I just am so excited that you created this. I love that your your heart for this stuff. And I think it's so powerful. It's so important. And this prayer journal will be such a gift to so many, specifically women with, I mean, sure guys, if you want to buy it, but like, or or do a version of it. But I think it's going to be so powerful for the people that like get this in their hands and will help start their journey and just really refocus things as we've talked about all throughout today's episode. So Steph, I want to finalize our episode today with my same very traditional heart of dating question, which is just, what is your final nugget of dating advice and encouragement for single people or dating people right now? Gosh, there's so many things. I think that really one of the biggest things is that you don't have to figure this out by yourself. Mm. There are areas of our lives where we well, I think for a lot of us, asking for help is really hard. Yeah. It's really, really hard for us to say, I, you know, this isn't turning out the way I want it to. I'm going to bring someone else alongside me to help me through this. Like we mm-hmm. just really have this feeling in life that we should be able to figure it out by ourselves and knock it out on our own. And, um, that everyone else is doing that. Yeah. But I think that asking for help is not weakness. It's wisdom. Yes. And the smartest people in the world are not people who know everything. They're the people who bring other people around them to help them in the areas that they could use some help. Yeah. Um, and so when it comes to singleness and dating, like this is hard and it's, it's not hard. You know, I think we feel silly for the fact that it's hard, but it's, it's hard. It's, this is important. We are meant to connect our lives to people. This, you know, we're talking about connecting the deepest part mm-hmm. of ourselves to the deepest part of someone else. 
of course that's scary. And of course the vulnerability makes you kind of want to throw up sometimes. And of course breakups, <laughs> you'll just absolutely wrenching, you know, this is, this is hard. This is not something small. And so don't go this, don't go this alone. Bring mentors alongside you. Actually read the books, get coaching from Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your friends alongside you. Tell them how you're feeling. Even your friends who are married or even your friends who are in different seasons, like allow yourself to, to be vulnerable enough to ask for the help that you need, yeah. because this is a really important part of your life and you just don't have to figure it out by yourself. Yes. I love that. That's such a good charge. And it's just such a good moment to realize like we don't have to do this alone. And there's plenty of people that we can look to for help and guidance. And they're not going to think less of us for asking for some help. We can't always do it alone. I love that. I love that stuff. I love your heart. Thank you so much, girl, for just sharing all this rich wisdom, encouragement, empowerment. Thank you for creating this every single moment, this prayer journal. I am so so excited for it to get in the hands of some amazing women. And I'm just so grateful for you. So thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me. What what an honor and a gift. (laughs) I'll talk to you soon, my dear. You guys, isn't Kate amazing? I just love her. I am so grateful for her friendship. Now, don't forget that if you ever want to find any of the links for anything we talk about in our Girls Night episodes, you can always find those over in our show notes. Just head over to girlsnightpodcast.com and you'll find the links for everything, including links for Kate, so you can pick up her book, listen to her podcast, and follow along with all the great stuff she's doing. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. But before you go, I wanted to take a second to ask you guys a quick favor. If you enjoyed this episode or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much and it really would mean the world to me. So if you take two quick seconds to do that, I'd be so grateful. All right, guys, thanks so much for being here at Girls' Night, and I will see you next week.